Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Welcome to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. I'm Matthew of castingacross.com, where I explore the quarry and culture of fly fishing. This is the 22nd episode of the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. It's being recorded in early April. And I live in New England, and so that means that early April is still almost the beginning of the season. If anything, the season really hasn't begun in earnest yet. So if you follow that latitude across the country, that is actually quite a bit of kind of the nation's population as far as not really getting into the meat of the fly fishing season yet. So we're talking about getting prepared today, and uh, this then will be still pretty appropriate and timely for a lot of folks, especially if you are in the upper Midwest or in New England or even in different parts of the uh, the, the West Coast if you're at higher elevations. Uh, snow melt is still a thing, and it's just cold. So while we can still fish, while we can get out there, it's not like you're out as much as you're going to be in June or in October. So now is the time to take care of your gear, and more importantly, just get yourself ready so that when you get on the water, you have what you need where you need it, which you could say, you know, why fuss about that? Just throw everything in a bag and just fish. And more often than not, that is okay. If you just kind of have the stuff you think you'll need, you'll probably get away with it. You'll probably have the few flies that you know that work. You'll have the core gear that matters the most. But there are going to be times where you wish you had packed that one thing. Um, the, the nail knot tool, the hook hone, uh, the extra heavy split shot, the poly leaders, uh, the, the, the box of, of midges that uh, you, you rarely fish, but they don't take a lot of space, but you can't find them when you really need them because you're watching a trout sip those midges. Or you just have a box of flies that's all jumbled up. It's a bunch of poppers with busted heads and dulled hooks and chewed off rubber legs. And you've had them in the bottom of your box and if you, or bag. And if you would have known that they were there, you would have gone and you would have fixed them, but you just didn't. So taking 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes to get that aspect of your gear organized is key. And it can really pay off um, dividends moving forward throughout the season in a lot of different ways, in more ways uh, than you might imagine. So this is just one aspect of getting ready. There's lots more. Cleaning your fly line, cleaning your fly rods. That's something that's not um, talked about enough. Um, making sure that uh, rods are in good shape, making sure things like the female end of the ferals um, are, are um, looking good so that uh, you don't have an unexpected moment on the stream where something breaks, uh, that tip tops are there. Um, you'd be surprised how many times folks go to fish and they don't have a tip top uh, where they're supposed to be. But 
Anyway, um, this is what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about getting your stuff ready. So um, this is one uh, efficient and effective method that I use to make sure that I have what I need and where I need it. Um, it takes a little bit of deliberate time, but it, it's helpful. So step one, put on your pack. So whether you are fresh or salt, whether you are warm water or cold water, um, whether you are fishing for big fish on big rivers or small fish on small rivers, unload your pack. Whatever that might be, if that is your gear bag, if that is your satchel, if that is your sling, if that is your chest pack, if that is your hip pack, if that is your vest, if you have a really fancy hat with a felt hat band with all your flies stuck to it, uh, then take it off and take everything off of it. This is step one. You say, no, 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 but I know I need this one thing on it. Take it off anyway. So take it all out. And you know what? This is a good opportunity to clean it. Now, cleaning stuff isn't vital. I mean, you might think that your hat is lucky because it's slimy and it's stinky. You might think that your vest is, looks kind of cool because it is super dingy. But cleaning it, more often than not, will help prolong its life. And this is not what fly fishing companies necessarily want. But this is a way to get a few extra seasons out of your gear, keeping them clean. And it's good to be clean and not dirty. There's plenty of things that can be filthy, but uh, your vest uh, and your sling pack are things that don't have to be dirty. So that's the first thing. And also, um, get rid of all the trash. You'd be surprised at how much trash you can accumulate, whether it be um, just bits of tippet, uh, you know, whether it be an inch long or whether it be three feet long, uh, strike indicator bits, granola bar packages, old fishing licenses. It is astounding to me how I'm always finding fishing licenses from two, three, four, five years past in random places. Um, you'd think I'd keep better track of them, but obviously I don't. So get all that stuff out of there and get rid of it so that all of your good gear is on a table in front of you and all of the trash is in the trash basket and your bag, pack, satchel, whatever, uh, vest is clean and ready to go. And this is the integral part of my method. I don't think I'm the one who innovated it. I just, it's the what I like to do because it makes the most sense to me. Um, and that's to put your pack on. Why? Well, when you're on the river, your pack isn't on the table in front of you. It's on you. And so that means when you have your pack on you, as you load it, you don't load it from the perspective of you looking at yourself. You load it from the perspective of you actually fishing, if that makes sense. So when you're, I know this is so common sense, but let me just explain it one more time. When you're fishing, you're not looking at your pack on a bench or on a table or on the couch next to you. Your pack is slung around you. And so the, the way you put things in, even the ergonomics of how things fit on your body are going to make more sense. Here's a great example. I have a sling pack that I use, and I have one fly box that is curved and one fly box that is flat. So one's a foam box that has a little bit of an ergonomic curve to it. And the other one is just a flat, hard plastic box. And these are two trout boxes I carry with me on virtually all my fishing. I have that curve box against me. It always goes in closer to me. And that is less obtrusive when I'm spinning my sling pack around than if I have it the other way around. That might sound like a little detail, but it's something that I've just gotten used to. And it's not a big deal. And I just know that I put box A closer to me and box B further away from me. Um, but you don't notice those things uh, if you are loading up your vest or sling pack or bag if it's on the table. But if you're wearing it, you can do that. And it's also logical. 
is it easy to extend your zinger with your nippers on it um, out in front of you to the place where you'd be tying a fly on? So, you know, from maybe your collarbone to 18 inches in front of you where you're usually tying a knot. Um, if you have it attached up higher rather than lower on your left hand versus your right hand side of your vest, these are things to think about. And you might think this is like total overkill, but you'd be surprised with how much your usual is slowing you down on the stream. It might not feel like it's slowing you down, but you realize, okay, there's a better way of doing this small thing. So by doing this, you're also putting things in places that make sense. And it's about prioritizing. So you prioritize, what do you see the most? You're gonna use your nippers a lot more than, again, not to pick on it, but your nail knot tool. So you don't want your nail knot tool taking up prime space. So first, unload. Second, put it on. Third, fill it back up. So like I just said, you put stuff in there. Now this is also a time to reassess. You know, um, you always carry two buffs, for example. Why do you always carry two buffs? Do you carry two buffs because you need two buffs? Do you carry two buffs because you're afraid you're gonna lose one buff? Why are there gloves in your pack? You aren't gonna use those gloves in June, July, August, September probably, but you have them in there anyway. Do you keep them in there because that's always where you keep them or do you keep them in there because you need them? Now, a pair of gloves, a buff, a little tool, a little fly box, all that stuff on its own doesn't weigh a lot, but it adds up when it's all put together and it adds up when you extrapolate it over the course of the day. So it's about making those decisions, what matters and what doesn't matter. And if you say, you know what, I really want this, again, go back to the nail knot tool, you know, I want this in case something blows up on the stream. I don't feel confident in my ability to tie a knot uh, from a, a brand new leader onto my fly line without this thing. Awesome, but it doesn't need to be hanging on a zinger off of your vest. It can be tucked away somewhere where you'll know where it is. So that uh, that definitely makes makes uh, a big difference as far as what you're carrying and where you're carrying it. Fourthly, considering what you have and don't have. This is huge. I don't know how many seasons. I've probably said things are huge a lot um, so far, but I suppose they are huge. Being a huge fly fisherman is important. I'm learning more and more about that. Um, and uh, you can get on the Instagram and figure out how important it is to be a huge fly fisher. But um, it's very, very important to see what you don't have before a season starts. Usually I find that my float runs out about mid to late April, and it's always an inopportune time. Usually I find that I'm out of 4X or 3X or 5X tippet, at the beginning of June. Usually I see that there's a, uh, you know, I'm, I'm out of woolly buggers by uh, the beginning of the season also. These are things that, it might be too late in the process now, well not too late, but later than you'd like, but if you do this especially in the winter time, you can say, ooh, I need to go ahead to the fly shop and buy these essentials. I might not be completely out of them yet, but I could throw them in my go bag and have them in the car, that way if I'm on the stream and I do run out of floatant, I do run out of high float shake, I do run out of, um, you know, a, a certain length of or width of tippet or something like that. I know that I have it, and I'm not out of it if if I'm um, out somewhere for the day, uh, and I, I'm I'm prepared. And then you know, have that secondary bag. That's something that I carry with me. Actually, I usually keep it in my car, so I've got my packs that I wear, my sling packs. But then I have a secondary bag that has those flies that I'm probably not going to use, but I like to have. Um, so this is, um, if I'm doing majority of trout fishing, this is where my bass flies go. They go and they live in this bag. 
Um, that way, if I do go bass fishing, um, I'm not having to completely reorganize because all of my freshwater tools are the same tools, whether they're um, for trout or for bass or for other warm water species. And so I have things in that go bag. I also have my backup spools of tippet. I have my spare spools for um, like my six weight reels that I can go back and forth from um, uh, bass and trout to and, and get that bag prepared also. And then I would say the last thing to, to think about is to think about thinking about it. So you've done it, now reassess. Did you change things up just to change things up? So like you, you've listened to this and you've thought, okay, this sounds great. I've been doing it all wrong. Uh, Matt's a genius. Um, this is wonderful advice. I'm going to take everything out and put it all in a different place. Okay, that's not necessarily the right answer. There might be one or two things you need to tweak. So maybe look at what you've done, put it back on, play with it a little bit and realize, you know what? I moved this just for the sake of moving it. Um, I need to put it back where it was. And then you'll be totally ready to go for the next season um, and the upcoming season. And, and you'll probably just appreciate how little you can carry, how little you can, uh, how much you can actually leave behind um, and in a car and not take out on the river with you. Um, so the, that's my process, the beginning of every season. I kind of go through it with my trout stuff. I go through it with my warm water stuff. I go through it with my saltwater stuff. Um, again, I'm, I'm, it's remarkable how much trash I find. Um, and, uh, it's remarkable how much I look at stuff and I am dissatisfied with the, uh, the qual the condition of some of my gear. It's just like anything else. You get used to how worn down something gets and a fly box that doesn't close well is not something you think about necessarily when you're out in the middle of the river and you're fishing and you can just kind of pinch it closed and throw it in your, in your vest, but then you get home and you, uh, forget about it. But this is a time to look and say, you know what? I can shell out 10 bucks for a new fly box and with a, a latch that works or with foam that uh, isn't all chewed up or maybe just switch over to silicone or something like that. Um, but that is that is my tip, uh, trick, hack. I'm not a huge fan of that word, but just the way that I prepare for the season. Hopefully it can be helpful for you. This week on Casting Across, I ran two uh, pretty great articles, in my opinion. Uh, the first one was a review of the Sage Dart. It's a zero-weight fly rod, and the name of the article is Zero Weight, the Sage Dart. So I fished with it for a few months, and um, a lot of folks bust on uh, two weights uh, and uh, one weights, and of course the butt of the jokes is the zero weight, which is uh, kind of silly if you think about it, because a lot of these rods are built for particular types of water. And so it is in as much as you, you know, should make fun of a 12 weight. If you're thinking of trout fishing, um, you should, you should be totally cool with using a zero one or two if you are fishing really small water. And the one takeaway that I would say from the Sage, uh, zero weight review, and you can read the rest of it is that this is a rod that you actually cast. This is not a rod for dapping or for flipping uh, little bugs to brook trouts in pockets. This is a rod you cast. So head over to Casting Cross and read that article, Zero Weight, the Sage, Dart. Second one that came out this week is called Reveille at Camp Flyfish. Um, I've written a number of times uh, over the course of the years with Casting Across, and I've mentioned even a few times in the podcast the Pennsylvania Rivers Conservation and Fly Fishing Youth Camp, which was the original Trout Unlimited Youth Camp and Academy. 
Um, and this was a camp I attended. It was a camp I was able to serve as director of for a number of years. And this is an awesome opportunity for young people, for boys and girls. Um, and it's this particular camp isn't just for Pennsylvania. I was living in Virginia when I attended it, um, but now there's camps all over the country and that use essentially their model. So this is a quick look at that camp and kind of what makes it different. And, and, and my hook for this really is that there is something about these camps that sets it apart from the football camps, cheerleading camps, Fortnite camps, um, whatever else is out there that I think is very, very cool and is worth consideration both to send your young person to if you are a parent, grandparent, um, or mentor of a teenager, um, or investing in either financially, with time, with fly donations, whatever, if you are um, just somebody who thinks this is a good idea to invest in the next uh, generation. So that's called Reveille at Camp Flyfish. Today's recommendation is the VitaVu Netster. You've heard me talk about VitaVu before. VitaVu is better American gear, um, and that tagline means something. Um, the components are sourced in the United States. They are assembled in a factory in Lemonster, Massachusetts, and they are done to order. Um, so when you order something on their website, uh, you are getting something that is made just for you. Um, which means that there's actual care that goes into it. I personally know the folks that are going to make your netster or your sling pack or your rod holster. And so today I want to talk about the netster. As we get into nicer weather, um, a lot of folks are going to be waiting and they need to carry their net. And I carry a normal trout net. And people might make fun of the size of it because it's only like 22 inches long. Um, but I find that if I have to catch a fish that's a little bit larger than that, when that situation does happen, they bend over just fine to get in that net. But if you do carry your six foot long net that you could fit um, a, a small child in, then this works great for that too. It's actually designed for a long handled net. So a lot of folks do something that works pretty good, which is to slide the handle of their net through their um, wading belt in the back. This does that, but it creates a holster for where the basket of your net goes into the handle of your net. So it creates a place where your net's not going to pivot side to side as much and where it's going to be a bit more secure as you hop over logs, as you stretch, as you sit down, things like that. The Netster retails for $29.95, comes in a handful of colors, and um, does a great job of just, you know, you've got this couple hundred dollar net this is going to keep it more secure. So definitely go to vitavu.com and check out the Netster, N-E-T-S-T-E-R. The um, link to that will be in the notes I'm casting across to this uh, podcast. So definitely check out the Netster. Thanks for listening to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. Please subscribe in your favorite podcast app and rate the podcast in iTunes. Then head over to castingacross.com where you'll find more info on this podcast and three posts a week on the people, places, and things that go into the pursuit of fish. Mm-hmm.